In Matthew, Jesus teaches the parable of the talents, a story about a master entrusting property to his servants. This story tackles a few different ideas, including responsibilities and comparison. Today, in his message entitled The Dash Rewards, Pastor Jeff tackles the concepts in this parable, as well as the ideas laid out in 1 Corinthians 3.8, which posits that we will be rewarded according to our own labor. Enjoy this message from the City of Life Church podcast. Teaching week three of a series that's called The Dash. And uh, The Dash, just to give you a brief recap, uh, it's the amount of time that we have on this earth. Uh, you know, traditionally, if you were to kind of look at someone, you know, someone that's born this date, passed away on this date, uh, What's in the middle? It's a dash, and that dash represents your life. So one way to define it would be the difference between uh, the first day on this earth and your first day in eternity. You're only allotted so much time. We don't know how much time that is. Uh, the average lifespan is around 75 years in the United States. So I hope everyone in this room lives longer than that. But the truth is we don't know uh, about events, what's going to happen. It's like we have a family that's, that we love. It's a, a major part of who we are here at this church. They lost one of their family members this week, uh, suddenly and tragically, just gone. And it's not, and that person didn't do anything wrong. It's just part of living in a fallen world. Uh, so, so we don't know how long we have, but we know we got this dash to make a mark with throughout eternity. And our eternity depends on what we do with this dash. So that's what this series is geared around. Uh, so I talked, you know, week one about the fact that long life uh, is a sign of r blessing, that, that there's a lot, that you, the Bible tells you that you can add to your life or you can subtract from the number of your days with wicked living. And then last week I talked a lot about redemption, the fact that salvation doesn't come from the good works we do. We don't do good works that lead us to salvation. But if we do good works at all, they're not something that lead us to salvation, that they're a result of salvation. That the only reason we could ever do good works is that God saved us in the first place. And because he saved us in the first place, it leads us toward good works. My text for today is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 8, verses 8 uh, and also verses 14 and 15. It says this, The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. Someone say, according to their own labor. According to their own labor. They will be what? They will be what? They will be what? Come on, church. They will be what? Rewarded according to their own labor. Okay, the verse 14 says, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a what? Come on, we'll receive a what? A reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss but yet will be saved even though only as one escaping through the flames. Today I'm going to talk to you about the dash. Rewards, rewards, rewards. Amen. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy and love, what you're doing in our city, in our community, in our church, in us personally. Holy Spirit, take over our lives. Take control of every aspect of who we are. Lead us into hope. Lead us into truth. Uh, you're our counselor. You're our advocate. Walk with us through the, the tough times in our life. Uh, illuminate truth uh, around every corner. Let your healing uh, be with us. Let your hope be with us. And I pray that every person right now is changed by the power of your word. And we would leave here different than we walked in. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. So, 
The general idea of this message is you can have everything on earth and be a nobody in heaven, or you can have nothing on earth and be famous in heaven. Uh, our life on earth, you can't judge our life by simply the results that you see on the outside because there are heavenly and spiritual things that are going on on the inside of us uh, that you will only be able to see in eternity. It's one of the reasons why Jesus said when you pray, don't pray publicly where everyone can see you because whatever commendation you get publicly, people bragging on how wonderful you are, whatever you get, that's your reward, right? But what does he say? He says when you pray, do it in secret. Uh, and then what you've done in secret will be what? It will reward it openly and in public. And so I think that the greater uh, implication of that verse is that, that when we live lives that are kingdom lives on the inside, someday in eternity, God is going to reward us long term for the things that we have done in private and in secret. Last week, as I know I just recap, but I want to just touch one idea from last week really quick so we get it in our head. Ephesians chapter 2, it's by grace that you have been saved. It is by grace that you have been saved. It is by grace that you have been saved. Somebody say grace. grace. Through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. Salvation is a gift that was given to you. It is not something that you earned. Remember, I talked about last week, oh, well, I remember the day that I chose Jesus, but you don't remember the day that Jesus chose you because he did it so far before you were born. It's ridiculous. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He chose you in him before the foundations of the earth. The Bible says no man can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? You didn't have the ability spiritually to know that you needed God before he empowered you by the person of the Holy Spirit to call on his name in the first place. So you have to have God in your life that even makes you aware that you need God. So it's not something that you earned. It is a gift that was given to you. That is so important. That, that redemption is something that is earned by God. It's not something that's earned by us. It's a gift that's given to us. And yes, it is through faith, but it's, it's, it's also grace that, that we're able to be saved. So that kind of idea, I, I sort of explained that last week in a parable in Matthew 20 of a vineyard owner who goes out and hires a bunch of people. Very briefly. Hires people at 9 o'clock. A.M. Hires people at 12 p.m., 3 p.m., 5 p.m. And at the end of the day, he says, I'm going to pay you guys all fairly. At the end of the day, he gives everyone the same amount of money, even people that have worked nine hours, the same amount of money that he gives the one that works one hour. And people are ticked off that have been working all day. How can you pay them the same as me? I've been working all day. It's really analogous of, of salvation. So salvation is a gift that's given to all of us, no matter how good we are or how much we have done for the kingdom. How many people know we're no better than the person sitting next to us? No matter what they've done that's good or bad, salvation is a gift that is given to all of us. The thief on the cross gets the same Jesus as the person that's been serving God since they were two years old. You don't get any more of Jesus. That's what salvation is. So that's why I used that uh, last week as, as an example. So sovereignty... Uh, determines your redemption. That means that God's sovereignty determines your redemption. But the dash, which is your life, my life, determines our rewards. The dash, the way we live, determines our responsibilities in heaven. If you weren't here last week, I had someone standing over here in this corner, and I had on like a Mr. Rogers sweater, and I took off a tiny little piece of lint off of my sweater, and I put it in his hand right here. You could barely even see it. If you got up close, you could see a little fuzzball in his hand. I said, that is your life. 
I said, now, in the other hand, I want you to hold this piece of yarn. And I had Anthony came over here and started walking around the building with this yarn. And he started going across each corner. And people were holding the corners. And he kept walking around and around and around. I said, your life is that tiny little piece of fuzz. That's the dash. That's your 75 years. This line represents eternity. And one foot of that yarn represents a billion years. A billion years. And it just keeps going and going a billion and a billion and a billion and a billion. And, a billion. and what I'm trying to say is that tiny little fuzzball that he was holding in his left hand, that is your life that determines how you spend eternity. No way of changing your position. No way of elevating your position once you get into eternity. It's all determined by the dash. It's all determined by the dash. So today, I think it's pretty clear that, that we don't earn salvation through our works. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about works. Because there's a conversation that we can have about works and we're going to have it today. Okay, so that's what we're about to talk about. So, the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. They'll each be rewarded according to their own labor. Labor is work. So we have kingdom work that we are assigned to do. Put your hand on your heart and say, I'm a worker. Somebody say, I have a job. Amen. I like that. You got a job. Okay, you got a job. You got a kingdom job. So that's wonderful. You got a kingdom job. You got kingdom work that you're supposed to do. Okay, so kingdom work is important because your work leads to a reward. Okay, your work in this life for God leads to an eternal reward. Now, that, that, that yarn that was stretched out, you say what you want to about Jesus, but he talked about hell a lot. Hell is a, a place where he literally talks. It's a, a place of torment. It's a place of eternal separation from God. Whether you know Jesus or not, whether, you've, whether you have acknowledged Jesus as God's plan of salvation, that determines where you're going to spend eternity, simply. But how you spend eternity in heaven or how you spend eternity in hell is also determined by your works. There is a biblical idea that is it's extremely theological that different degrees of punishment in hell different degrees of rewards and responsibility in heaven based on the way you've lived your life okay so if you get into heaven yes you'll have the same jesus as everyone else has but different rewards different responsibilities in heaven so that leads us to to a story here that i want to talk about today that you probably have heard before, but I want to get the most that we can get out of it. It's the story of the parable of the talents. In the parable of the talents, if you wonder what that word talents means, it's interesting because talent, a talent was a unit of measurement uh, for, for money at that particular time. And this story is so powerful and so uh, impactful culturally that it bled on down through the Greek into our English language where we now use this word for money as a way to recognize our giftings and our abilities. Talents were originally about money, the parable of the talents. It'd be like the parable of the dollars. But what's happened is because this story represents different abilities that are given to different people, now when we say talent, or, what do you, or they say, do you know John? Oh, he's a very talented guy. Why? Oh, this dude can juggle. He can, like, you know, he can stand on his head. He can break dance. He can, I mean, I'm not sure what you think talent is, but, like, whatever the talents are, you could go down the list and describe all the different talents that someone has. That's where we get our word talents from is from this story. Now, in this story, 
It's a very interesting story. I didn't make this story up. This is not mine, just by the way. This is the Bible. So in this story, you have three different people who have been assigned three different sets of money based on their individual abilities. Okay, now you may not even like this story because of the content of it. Just the idea of it may just make you angry. But that's why I told you that I didn't write it. God wrote it, so you have to get mad at him, not me. Okay, so the idea of the story, it says this. Now, in this story, real quick, I will say that sometimes the value of these talents is debated among scholars. Some people think it's like $50,000, $20,000, and $10,000. I've heard it said that it was up to $500,000, $200,000, and $100,000. This particular version of the message that I'm re reading uses the $5,000, $2,000, $1,000, so we'll stick with that. Okay, so it says this. It's like a man going off. Jesus is speaking here, telling this story. It's also like a man going off on an extended trip. By the way, Jesus, if, if you read it and, and kind of do any interpretation yourself, you realize he's talking about himself and the kingdom. He is the one going off to, into his kingdom on an extended trip. He is the one who is giving abilities to people. He is going to come back from his trip and see what we have done with the talents and the abilities that he has given us. So I'm not trying to spoil the story, but if you even kind of remotely want to interpret it as we're reading it, that's what it is talking about. It says, he called his servants together, this man going on the trip, and delegated responsibilities. Somebody say responsibilities. To one, he gave $5,000. To another, $2,000. To a third, $1,000. Depending on, read this part with me out loud. Depending on their abilities. That is really important. Let's say it one more time. Depending on their abilities. You say, well, no one has different abilities. Well, I mean, not true. According to this story, different people have different abilities, and God gives people different things based on their abilities. Different amounts of responsibility based on their individual. Everyone's exactly the same. No, not, that's not true. Not according to this story. What it's saying is this guy saw different talents, saw one guy could handle this one thing, another guy could handle this, and another guy could handle that. I'm going to give them each different amounts. I'm not giving them the same. Now, remember, we already had a story about salvation from Matthew 20 where everyone worked different amounts of time but got paid the same. So we know that salvation is the same. Can I get an amen from someone? Your works are not the same. Your works, what, what you do after salvation is not the same. That's what this story is about. See, my message today is about rewards. See, your works determine your eternal rewards. So salvation is the same. Once you're in, you're in. Once, once Jesus has got you, he's got you, and he's not going to let go of you because that's about him, not you. Okay? But what you do for the kingdom after that has everything to do with the way you live your life. It's got everything to do with what you do for the kingdom on a daily basis. Before I read the rest of the story, be very careful that you become passionate about the same things that God is passionate about. Because God forbid you live your whole life getting fired up about all these things that God doesn't really care about in eternity. You get so passionate about all the, oh, you know, you just want to tell it, I want to tell it, I want to fix it. And God just is not worried about that. Okay, make sure that you get passionate about what God gets passionate about. Because if you don't, you're wasting what he's given you. So here it says, 
He gives one guy 5,000, one guy 2,000, one guy 1,000, depending on their abilities. Then he left. Right off. The first servant went to work. Wow, 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 wow. And doubled his master's investment. He doubles his master's investment. The second did the same. The 5,000 guy doubles the investment. Second guy doubles the investment. But the man with the single thousand dug a hole and carefully buried his master's money. After a long absence, absence, the master of those three servants came back and settled up with them. The one given $5,000 showed him how he had doubled his investment. The master commended him. Good work. You did your job well. From now on, be my what? Come on, church. From now on, be my what? So he offers him partnership. Wow, that is amazing. This guy has, has doubled what God has given him, and now he gets partnership with God because he's taken what he has been given, and he has made good use of it. Now he moves on to the next guy. The guy that was given 2000 he sees that he has doubled his master's investment. His master commended him. Good what? Good what? It's work we're talking about here. Good work. You did your what well? At your job, you do what? You do work. Someone said party. What? Where do you work? Where do you work? You work at your job. So this is about work. This is about the job that we have been assigned from heaven. Amen? So you did your job well. From now on, be my what? Be my partner. The servant given 1,000 said, Master. Isn't it interesting how this guy's got a completely different vibe than the other guy? He's got a whole, whole reasoning that he, that he gives. The other guy's giving him reason. Here's what I did. Here it is. This guy's got a whole logic here. He goes, Master, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways that you demand the best and make no allowances for error. I was afraid I might disappoint you. So I found a good hiding place. And secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. The master was furious. That is a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live what? To live cautiously. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers where at least I would have gotten a little interest back. Take the thousand. Here's the part that's really hard to swallow. Take your thousand and give it to the one who what? Risked the most. So this guy over here is not just the one who was given the most. He's also the one who risked the most. Give it to the one who risked the most and get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Throw him into utter darkness. What a story. What a story about abilities in life. What a story about God has given every person in this room a skill set. God has given every person in this room a differing set of abilities. If you look at the person next to you, they're probably better than you at something. You might be better at them than them at something. But the truth is, you don't have the same amount of abilities in all things. It's not like, well, you're good at five things and I'm good at five things, so we have equal abilities. That's not true. There's some people in this room that are probably better than almost everything at you, than a couple of things. 
You're like, well, I'm better at eating cookies. That might be your title. I don't know. That might be your, that might be <laughs> your claim to fame. <laughs> but what this story is trying to show us, <laughs> that'd probably be my title, to be honest with you. What this story is trying to show us is that this is not about everybody getting the same amount. That story is about something else. This is a story about people that get different amounts. And, and what are we supposed to get from this? What is the meaning here in this story? Let me grab, uh, let me grab Christian and let me grab Emil real quick. Come on up here real quick. So Christian, you stand over here uh, and Emil, you get in the middle and I'm going to get right here. Okay, so um, give, my, give my volunteers a hand here. These are my guys here. Christian, you got a fabulous mustache. It's, a, it's enviable. What are you doing there, Emil? Are you rubbing your head? You think I'm going to comment on your, on, on your, Mr. Clean? Okay. You do have a good looking, you do have a good looking head. I'll admit that. That's an enviable bald head that you have. It's very nice. Very nice. So got a great, you know, got a great beard, got a great mustache. He's got the great bald head. I've got this weak little mustache right here. It's you, you're like, you have a mustache. You, you go on Instagram. You can see it better on Instagram. Okay. But like compared to Christians, it's, it's pretty bad. Uh, I'm balding. Uh, he's, he's bald. So at least you're like leaning into it. I'm like trying to comb my hair over a certain way to cover it up and stuff like that. So, so in this analogy, what you have here in this analogy is you've got Christian who in this story of the parable of the talents, God blesses you with this beard, bro. Like you've got this beard. It's, it's amazing. It's fantastic. And in this story, Christian is the guy who's got everything. He's the guy who's got more than everyone else. He's the guy that is born into blessing. He is the guy that, you ever met the kind of people that just sort of make you sick? They've got so much going on. It's like, oh, really? Really? That too? Stop. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like Christian is the guy who like, he's not just a preacher, but like when he preaches, like his parents were like missionaries in Greece. So like he grew up speaking English and Greek. So he doesn't even have to use like a Greek lexicon when he studies his Bible. He just tells you, and in the Greek it means, and he starts speaking Greek when you're watching. You're like, oh, give me a break. Just stop. Just go away. I don't want to hear you talk anymore. It's like, every, you ever met someone like that? It's just like everything's going on. It's like this guy, he, he, you know, he, he, he can dance. He can, you know, speak multiple languages. He's got like a 140 IQ. He's just like brilliant in every possible way. Got it all going on. And he's the kind of guy that not only has a lot going on, but also uses it for the kingdom. That's what the story is about. It's not simply a guy who's got more than everybody else. He uses all these things for the kingdom and doubles what God has given him for the kingdom. Okay, so then you come down here to Emil. Now, Emil doesn't have that mustache. No, he, he doesn't have that. that he, he, doesn't speak, he doesn't speak Greek. He speaks Spanish, un poquito, espanol. No, not just un poquito. You speak mucho espanol. <laughs> Tell him something in Spanish, my man. Que Dios los bendiga. Oh, que Dios. Yo quiero predicar en espanol un día, pero necesito mucho practicar. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Okay, so. Emil has got, he's got the Johnson and Murphy uh, zip-up boot. Did I call that correctly? Johnson and Murphy zip-up boots right there. He's got it going on. He's got that. I mean, he's not quite on the level of this guy. This is the 5,000 talent guy. But you know what, dude? You're the 2,000. You've got a 120 IQ. 
Now that, that, that's like above average, but, you know, but it may not be what he's got, but you've got it going on. And, you're multi, and not only that, you're multiplying everything that God has given you for the kingdom. And now what do you do? You come over here to me <laughs> with my blonde mustache. <laughs> you come over here to me, and it's like, what do I do with my life? I've been given one talent, one talent. And I find it very interesting and fascinating that in our story, there's only one guy that gives excuses, right? Does, does guy number one give an excuse? Does guy number two give an excuse? Who does? Me. Me. I'm the only one that gives an excuse. What do I do? I start going on and on about how cruel the master is. Why didn't guy number one talk about how cruel the master was? Why didn't guy number two talk about how, oh, I knew you had all these huge expectations and I didn't want to disappoint you. And what did the the master scold guy number three about? He scolded him for his play it safe attitude. So essentially what was happening is you have two guys who have been given a lot. Not only are they given a lot, they're risking it. They're in faith. What is risk? I'm going to tell you something right now. You want to know how to spell faith? Here's how you spell it, R-I-S-K. R-I-S-K, that's how you spell faith. Faith is all about risk. It's about what you push to the middle of the table. So guy number one not only has been entrusted with a lot, he's also pushed it to the middle of the table. Guy number two has not only been entrusted with a lot, he's also pushed it to the middle of the table. Guy number three, all he can do is sit here. I, I knew that you had, you know, you, I, I knew that you, you, you were cruel and you were hard. Why would he think that the master is cruel? Why would he think the master is harsh? Why would he think the master has unrealistic expectations? I have a theory. Would you like to know? Because when you live in a world of comparison, when you live in a world where it's so easy to focus on what guy number one has compared to what you have, then you begin not just to look at guy number one and resent guy number one, but where, where else does your resentment go? No, not guy number two. We're going to get him in a second. Where else does your resentment go? You begin to get an improper view of who God is. And rather than viewing God as a gracious, loving God that has given you life and given you breath and given you the chance to praise him and to be faithful and to do what he's called you to do in the realm of who you are, you don't care about what you're capable of because all you can think of is I don't have as much as guy number one. I don't have as much as guy number two. I don't have the same opportunities as guy number two. All I've got is this. And what you do is you spend your whole life hoarding everything that you could have done to maximize what God gave you. He gave it to you. You may not like a thousand, but it's the thousand he gave you. It is what he gave you. And the story goes like this. He judged this man for what he has been given. And here is the misconception. The misconception is that if you're this guy, that you're always at the top of the chain. But what's very interesting about this guy is when you live a life of comparison, you better be careful because you may be the guy that has the most, but you're worried about someone who's got a little more than you. You're not safe at any one of these spots because you're always guy number one to somebody. You're always guy number two to somebody else. You're always guy number three to somebody else. And what's so careful is if you lived your life wrapped up in this moment and what you don't have, 
You spend your whole life worrying about someone else and you miss out on the destiny that God has called for your life. You guys can listen. And ultimately, it's fear. It's fear of stepping out. And it's fear that, well, I, yeah, I could, I could try to preach to my friends, but I wouldn't be able to say it as good as a real preacher, so I'd rather not do it than say it not as good as someone else. Or, well, how, how about, the, how, guy number three here, how, what about the business that you wanted to start, a little coffee shop? Well, I, I, you know, I, I wanted to start it, but someone else came along and they started a coffee shop. You know, as a matter of fact, in the same, same place I was looking at, and, and, and they, they took my idea. They stole my idea. I had that idea years ago, and they stole my idea. But why, why, didn't you just do, why didn't you just try it, though? God put it in your heart. Why didn't you just try it? Because someone took it, and they did it better than I could do it. And if I did it, I probably would just fail. Is it about the failure, or is it about the risk? See, because you spell faith, R-I-S-K. It's about the risk. The first guy was, was commended for his risk. And here's the part of the story that nobody wants to talk about. When you're faithful over what you have been given, the way the story ends is a harsh correction for person number three. And he says, take your abilities and take your talents that you were given and walk them down to this guy down here who maximized what he had and give them to him. So the story ends with like a twist where you're just like, ooh, that's harsh. You're like, it seems like this guy's got so much left over that you should probably take what he's got and give it to the guy that squandered his, but that's not the way it works in the kingdom. The way it works in the kingdom is God says, take what you have and maximize it for me. Push it to the middle of the table. Risk it all. Risk it all. It doesn't matter how it compares. And see, here's the sad part of comparison. When you live your life in comparison, what you don't realize is that pride loves to wear the mask of humility. Pride loves to fool everybody by having a mask of low self-esteem. And what it, what it says is, oh, well, I don't have as much as they have, and I don't, I, I'm not as talented, and I'm not as gifted, and you stay here in this realm of, of, of uh, I don't have this. And what you don't realize is it's the most arrogant, prideful place that you can be. You're literally, pride has its talons in you and won't let go of, of you. You've convinced yourself that you should feel sorry for yourself. But Jesus told a story about a woman who was a widow and he said that she gave the smallest amount that you can give. It would be like a penny. And it said that she was the most generous person in the room. What does that mean? That it means it doesn't matter if that dude down there gave a million dollars. It doesn't matter if this guy gave a hundred thousand dollars. What God is looking at is that to you, your one penny might represent everything you have. And it's risk. And when you give it in faith, God is looking at you and he's going, oh, well done, my good and faithful servant. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that it was a low amount. What it matters is that you pushed everything to the middle of the table. I want to tell you something about risk. Don't ever worry about feeling like a failure in men's eyes. When you live a life that's full of risk, pushing it to the table for God, willing to make mistakes, willing to fall on your face, 
Sometimes the end result is not really the end result. Sometimes the end result that God wants to see is how will you handle failure by everyone else's estimation? Will you get up and dust yourself off and move forward and go for God's next endeavor in your life or will you stop where you are? Did you know that before my parents came here and started this church, we had a little church that was like a home church plant that we did. It was called Life Stream Fellowship. And we met in our home and my dad uh, rented a Seventh-day Adventist church uh, down in Orlando. Was it on Conway? Was that right in the Conway area? And, and we, we tried to get that thing rolling. And, and no, same, same parents that started this church in 86, and God blew this thing up. And we, we had five services within a year here and thousands of people standing outside. Same exact thing. It just didn't work. It just didn't work out. How you respond when you risk and you push it to the middle of the table, how you respond to failure, in, whether you respond with faith or whether you give up, sometimes is the determining factor on whether you're ready for the next assignment that God gives you in your life. What if my dad would have given up after Livestream Fellowship did not blow up? What if he would have said, this is not for me, I tried it and it didn't work? God would have never taken him to the next step, the next phase of his life. I mean, you say, oh, it's easy for you to talk about your dad. Well, how about you? Well, I'll give you an example of me. 10 years ago when Amy and I took over as, as the senior pastors of this church, God put it in our heart that we wanted to start another campus in Poinciana. And for those of you that have been here for a while, you'll know that we had a City of Life Poinciana that met at Liberty High School every single week. That campus never blew up. It never exploded into the thing that God put in our heart. Many, many people were saved. Some fantastic things happened there. Preached some great messages, met a lot of people. There are people that even come here today that got saved at our Poinciana campus, and it's fantastic. But we closed that down after a couple of years. It never turned into the next thing, and I had a lot of heartbreak over that. And I felt embarrassed in, in, in some way. I was like, man, what if, you know, what if like everyone that's following me and like put so much behind that they believe the vision and they got behind it financially, they got behind it. What if they think that that's what's gonna happen every time I make a big decision? But you know what? I'm not gonna live that way. I'm not gonna live my life based on those outward results, everyone judging you. You know why? Because today I got to preach at City of Life South Orlando, which is another campus that God told me about. And I didn't let that last thing stop us from stepping out in faith and believing that God had something great for us in the future. And I believe that God used what could have been a failure in many people's eyes as a testing ground to see what happens when things don't work out the way I want them to. I believe he's doing that with you. I believe with whatever talents he's given you and abilities, it's all about risk. It's all about pushing it out to the middle of the table. Did you know in about three or four months, we're having our first interest meeting for Lake Nona. We found a location in Lake Nona that we're gonna have our first interest meeting. I'm very excited. Did you know that Easter, we'll announce this in the future, but Easter, we launch City of Life online. It's a, it's a custom tailored online campus for people that live all over the world that can't make it to a church. And we, we're gonna customize the experience online with pastors that meet with you before the service, prayer requests. Uh, it's gonna be a tailored experience for people online. These are all things that are, faith is spelled what? R-I-S-K, how do you spell faith? It's all about risk. It's all about taking that thousand that you've been given instead of going, but I don't have 2,000. It doesn't matter that you don't have 2,000, but I don't have 5,000 like him. It doesn't matter that you don't have what he has. What matters is what you have. And at the end, when the master comes back, he is gonna evaluate what you have done with your talents and abilities. Did you push them to the middle of the table? My wife did a fantastic blog this week. Was it called Do It Afraid? It's called Do It Afraid. I love that, because that's what risk looks like. 
You don't, you just do it, but you do it afraid. You don't, you don't always have all the confidence to step into it and do it with all the answers. That's what risk is all about. Take what God has given you to realize that your eternal rewards depend on the work that you do for the kingdom in this life. Thanks for listening to this message from the City of Life Church podcast. On a weekly basis, you can tune in to experience challenging, encouraging, and life-changing messages from the City of Life Church pastoral team. If these messages have blessed you in any way, we ask that you consider partnering with us through generosity. Your generosity enables us to bless our community with events like I Love My City and our upcoming special needs Easter egg hunt. You can give by heading to col.tv give. We thank you for moving the kingdom forward and we'll see you next week.